Hi everyone. Uh, thank you, Math, for this pleasure. Uh, but before I start to read Acts uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 22 to 47, I want to say something first. On uh, exactly seven, uh, six years ago, on sorry, I'm a little bit excited. Uh, 23 April, six years ago, I have been baptized exactly here. And it was very coincidence. Math told me to read those verses today. And uh, yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy and thankful. And uh, yeah, thanks God for everything, what he gave to me all those years. and. Yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm happy for this big family I have here and for everyone who have helped me with uh, what, what uh, they have done for me. Thank you. <clears throat> Verse 22. Uh, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did throw him in your mind, means, midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and for, for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be healed by it. For David say concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died, died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he, has, he was not abandoned to hate, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witness, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord say to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, 
what sh shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many others' words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And a we come upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distribu distrib distributing the projects to all as any had need and day by day at attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thank you. Just uh, to pray. <clears throat> Our Father God in heaven, uh, we, we thank you for being together um, every Sunday to worship you in the church. Uh, we thank you for, for the Bible and that is your word to us. Um, we, th we thank you and uh, pray for Math, uh, help Math to speak. Uh, he's speaking with us and uh, help us as we listen and uh, we pray to just not listen the words, but uh, and to put in our uh, practice in our lives. Amen. Amen. Was that a beautiful testimony? That's great. Thank you so much, Jan. That was great. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us today. And, um, and today we're just going to go through uh, our devotions. As a, as a devotion, as a church, we've been talking about this uh, over the last few years now, about the devotions, how these people devoted themselves and how we want to be a church that's devoted to Jesus uh, and one another. Uh, because when Jesus, the Son of God, came to, to earth, he not only just came as God in flesh, but he lived for around 33 years. So his, his life not only showed God's devotion and love to us as human beings in him coming, but also his devotion to life itself, itself as because people got to see and we got to read how God would live on the earth, like what he would eat or what he, he would drink or how, what he would work, but more than that, what he would be devoted to, what he would give his time to, how he would treat people. Uh, and, and so it's his devotion to life 
itself. And so just some examples of this, like he was, we read of Jesus was, being, was baptized. Uh, he celebrated Jewish feasts, which he later made about himself. He went into the temple courts and synagogues uh, as a Jewish man on Saturdays uh, with others as a large group worship and, and praised God and prayed and came into God's word with others and shared God's word as well. We read a lot of him meeting and staying and eating and sleeping in other people's homes during his ministry as he traveled around with other followers or people who open up their homes to him. Uh, he accepted money. His, his, his friends would have accepted money and food. They gave money. They constantly gave money and thought of the poor. And he taught on money as well. He spoke about money. Uh, and he served God powerfully with amazing mountaintop sermons uh, literally, uh, he, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, so he moved in powerful ways, but he also he washed people's feet, he served people and washed people's feet, he loved children, he spent time with women who were neglected, and he healed the sick and the lepers who no one else would touch, he loved them. And then we've just celebrated Easter, uh, uh, talking about Jesus' death, and his resurrection, how his resurrection has changed the world, history is split on it. And then after he rose from the dead, he, we, he was on earth for roughly about 40 days, uh, showing himself, showing that he was alive, that he had conquered death. And then he was, he, he, we read of stories of him explaining himself in the Old Testament and how the Old Testament was talking about him and referring to him. He told people about what was going to be happening next in the future and revealing things. And then just before he left, just before he ascended into heaven, before his disciples' eyes, and he went into heaven alive in, in the right hand of God, which we read about today, um, he gave one final command. And it wasn't such a suggestion. It wasn't just an idea. He talks about a commandment, and he says, go and make disciples. Okay, I'm going now. But go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said to his, his followers, though, uh, as he ascended, but also wait, because I'm not leaving you. I'm sending the helper. I'm sending the comforter, the Holy Spirit to you. So wait for the Holy Spirit. And then 10 days later, in the festival of, of Pentecost, there was about 120 believers, we read of in an upper room, and they were simply praying, praying for Jesus, waiting on Jesus, praying to, to God, working all this out now. And it talks about how the Holy Spirit came on them with tongues of fire, that the Holy Spirit fell from heaven on them and, and literally physically moved them. They had uh, new languages. People thought that they were drunk because of maybe what they were doing or how they were acting. Um, there was new tongues. There was power there. And this is what we see as maybe the start of the church. Even though Jesus was a Jew and the Old Testament uh, would be the same as Israel would believe now and Jesus' heart was for the Jewish nation, lots of Jews back then and still now don't claim Jesus or see as a false prophet. And so in comes what we see as the church in that sense, with still God having a heart for Israel, but believers in Christ, that Jesus came from God and is uh, revealed throughout 
the Old Testament. So this is almost like the start of the church. And so these people, uh, these 120 people, they must have made a noise. There was a gathering. There was a festival on, so lots of people on. And then a crowd appears. A crowd hears them. A crowd is drawn to them. And they're making fun of them. They're saying they're drunk uh, because of maybe how, the, how maybe some of them have fallen over. Maybe some of them are uh, physically affected by this. But then also they're speaking in languages. I don't know about you, but I've never heard an English or Welshman who's drunk then all, all of a sudden is fluent in French. Like, I've never seen that before. So there's a, they're speaking in these different languages, languages that these people understand. And they're talking about God. They're talking about, about God and, and how he's revealed himself in these different uh, languages. And then Peter, we've just heard the story that Yona uh, uh, read. Peter explained that these people are not read, uh, drunk and that actually this is from the Holy Spirit. This is from God. And this is about Jesus, the one you have just crucified. He is actually God. And now he is both Lord and Messiah. And he preached there. And then these people then from making fun of them or thinking they're, they're drunk, in verse 37 of Acts 2, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They spoke to their heart. They spoke to their very being, cut to the heart, as the word of God, God still does to us today. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, like, what shall we do? Okay, like, what, what do we do about this? Like, we believe this is true. Like what are you saying? We believe actually this is true. So what do we do? What do we do about this? And then verse 38 of Acts 2, it says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for, verse 41 then tells us, and those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the, that, that number that day. Imagine that. There's probably about roughly about 120 people in this room right now. Imagine like next week we increase by another 3,000. Like it's just like this amazing, it's this amazing moment, incredible moment, amazing story and and not just and these people were baptized it says on that day three thousand and this was incredible because baptism would have been public back then it would have been outside so nearby in jerusalem yeah, um outside in, a, in a, a river or maybe a little lake and so thousands of jews were in jerusalem this time because they were celebrating a festival called pentecost and so this wasn't like in the corner or in a room, this was public. People were seeing this, friends and family. People were seeing what, what was happening. And this, this wasn't just John's baptism. John's baptism were maybe Jews who kind of felt that they were still sinners. They needed to repent. They acknowledged that, that they, that they were still sinners, even though they were people of Israel. Some Gentiles then were kind of baptized, had water ceremony to become a Jew. I, again, this was different because these people were being baptized, it says, in the name of Jesus Christ. Like they were saying, this baptism is for you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, who a few weeks before 
lots of people I'd seen get killed. And now these people are being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because many people are saying, actually, this guy that you killed, we've seen him alive and we've seen him ascend to heaven and we believe he is both Lord and Messiah. So this decision to just be baptized, to believe, repent, and to do that was massive because they could have lost family members, friends, maybe even jobs. People would have thought these guys have maybe lost their minds. These are walking away from our faith. Um, and so this would have caused, like, even though it's a great story for us, isn't it? This could have caused great division among their family, friends, workplaces, their communities, because they've now gone public and said they believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And they didn't just do this to get a certificate or to take a census to say they were Christians. They did it because they believed in Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they believed that they were sinners, that they, that they were sinful, that they had a sin problem. And so they believed that Jesus was the Messiah who came for them, who died for their sin, and that they had a sin problem. And so they believed that they needed to do this. But actually, to respond, we have to do this. Peter said, repent. So turn away from your ways. Turn to God. Believe in Jesus and be baptized as a response for that. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And they could have thought, brilliant, we've done all this now. We've got the Holy Spirit. Great, it's in my life. I'll just kind of carry on then doing what I want. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us, he changes our heart, he changes our mind, he changes our attitudes. He gives us a love for people that we didn't love. He gives us patience for people that we didn't have patience with. Not, not magically, but over time, he gives us God's heart. And then it's, but the second part of that one is, yeah, we are God's, we're a temple of, of God's Holy Spirit. But then it says this then in, in 1 Corinthians 6, okay, you are temples of God's Holy Spirit. Like that's the blessing, that's the security, that's the stamp that we've got. But then he says this, but now you are not your own. Now you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body or in your life. And so we know that it wasn't just a moment, an amazing moment. We know it wasn't a, just an emotional response because these people could have been outcast. But they did this because they truly believed. And then we can see the evidence that the Holy Spirit came on these people, not because they spoke in tongues, but because of what happened next. Like This is obvious that the Holy Spirit... Because they went from strangers. A lot of these people didn't know. 3,000 people. Think, look what happened next. Right? 3,000 people got baptized in the name of Jesus. And then this is what happened next in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And check this on 45. They sold property 
and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Not, not, not long before, these people didn't even know each other. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They welcomed people in and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And right at the end it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It wasn't just the 3,120. This was the start of now 2,000 years on of all the, the billions of people who've trusted in the name of Jesus. Amazing story, isn't it? Like amazing to see and hear that. And these, in one respect, are the forefathers of the Christian faith, of, of our story. They almost like set the standard. And it's a pretty high standard, isn't it? That these guys, uh, men and women set. And they responded by believing the gospel. They believed that this was true. The message was true. And they, they, they repented, so they turned from their ways and the response to their repentance was getting baptized. This was the start of their repentance. And they were evidently filled with the Holy Spirit because this isn't just a it's not just a natural response, is it? To get baptized and then just give all your money away. Like that's not a natural response. They were evidently filled with the Holy Spirit because um, their lives was a response to this. And some people throughout history almost have looked at this Acts 2 and said, that's just what the church needs to do. All the church needs to do is Acts 2, and that's fine. Like, that's why we're going wrong. If we do Acts 2, then it'll all be okay. Um, so the church, Christians need to, in response, in response to this, sell everything, all live together, meet, meet in, together every day, and these are some of the things that the church need to do. And some people have done that and tried to do that faithfully, over history, but sadly, some have ended up looking like or actually becoming more like cults as they've actually separated themselves from humanity and the world rather than still being a part of people to be added to. Uh, uh, and, and David Guzak is a, is a guy I read quite a bit of, a, a theologian. He says this about the early church. He says, with the influx of more than 3,000 believers with most, most of whom stayed in Jerusalem and didn't have jobs or maybe then lost jobs, lost family members, uh, were outcast, the family of Christians had to share if they were to survive. We shouldn't regard this as an early experiment in communism because it was voluntary, temporary, and flawed to the extent that the church in Jerusalem was in continual need of financial support from other churches, which is what we read on. Also, we don't have any evidence that this continued for very long. So Acts 2, although it's the start, it's not the blueprint in that sense. The Bible doesn't stop at Acts 2. It's not like that happens and then says, dot, 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 just follow this, all the best. Like, it doesn't stop there. It, it continues, uh, at, no, both just Acts and also all the other letters, um, in Acts 2. But there are some clear devotions as we read this, um, clear acts of grace, some, some churches call them, but clear devotions in Acts 2 that as believers, as people with the Holy Spirit, and as leaders, we would say we still 
uh, need, not just need, but want to reflect these in our lives personally and also in our church. We want this to be resembled as Thornhill Church. We, as, as leaders, we don't want people to go or to come to Thornhill Church. We want people to be a part of Thornhill Church, don't we? As a, as a body, and we feel these devotions help us to be part of Christ's body here uh, in Thornhill. And so if you don't have one of these, then you feel free to grab one now, but I'm just going to read what these devotions are. Uh, if you don't have one, then we can, you can grab one at the back there, where Emmy is, there's some at the back. Um, or, but I'll also, you can grab one at the end. But I'm going to read through some of these things. That as we journeyed through over the last two years, as leaders, we looked at these things and uh, we brought this together. And so this is what we want um, Thornhill Church as a family to look like, to be a part of. This is what we want. It, if we say we are a part of Thornhill Church, this is what we want to be devoted to, to one another and, and to Jesus. So I'm just going to read uh, this, although it is quite small. So I, if you need a bigger one, let me know, because I actually even made a bigger one for myself. <laughs> so I'm going to read that. But um, if, you want, if you want it on A4, we can do that later. But let me just read these things. Um, uh, and if you don't have them, then, then feel free to just listen to me. But it says this. It says, we want, we want Thornhill Church, we want to be a church devoted to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. We want Jesus Christ. This is all about Jesus. This isn't like about his church and not Jesus. We want to be vo- devoted to Jesus Christ. We believe, uh, for Colossians 1.17, we believe he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. And he wants disciples devoted to local churches, which are pictures of his global church and his kingdom mission. This isn't just to just be insular and then think of the 3,000. This is being part of a, a, a world that God loves, that Jesus died for. And this is our mission as well. He wants to give believers his spirit, like we've read, and gifts to become body parts or body members of his body so body parts of his body or body members of his church under his headship the desire for these six devotions at Thornhill Church is to help us be a local church that pleases and represents him in a faithful way for me that's a massive thing I want us to be a church to please God and represent him in a faithful way just because we are a church doesn't mean we please God or represent him in a faithful way. Does it? If you look at Revelation, there's seven churches, letters to those churches. And that it encourages me, it encourages me, but it scares me as well, thinking, what would, what would God do if he sent a letter to, to Thornhill Church? So I don't take that as a given. I don't take the fact that we're just a, we're a church that we please him and represent him. But that's our heart, isn't it? We want to be a people that please him and represent him in a faithful way. And then I've wrote there the, the, the verses from Acts that Yona wrote, wrote, um, read out today. So if you want to look, look at them, I'll refer to them. But then also, um, as you can see there, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about body members, about Jesus being the head, about the church being his body. So please look at that later. But 1 Corinthians 12, 31 and 12 says, Just as the body, though one, has many members, 
but all its members form one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And these devotions then come out of the, the Acts passage, and, and one of them is devoted to baptism, so verse 41 and 38. And, and just reading this, uh, it says, We long to see the baptism pool being used every week. Amen? Amen. When we want that? Yeah. Imagine we come to church and like, oh, not another baptism. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be a great complaint? Oh, no, our water bill is going through the roof. Like, we'd love that. We want to be your bat. And actually, a few weeks ago, um, there was a funny smell in this place, and we can work it out. And it was the drain from the baptism pool. And so I had to put a plug in it. But it was almost like, do like a sign. It's like, almost like, this hasn't been used for a while. Like, almost like that smell of like, just like, you know, sewers. Like, like, and so I, my, as we put the plug in, like, God, make us fill it again. Make us fill it again. And so I read, continue. It is by faith and faith alone that we are saved. Amen. But baptism is an essential part of following Christ that Jesus commanded in his great commission. He was, it was, this was a commandment. Go and baptize them. This wasn't optional or an extra a commandment. And we acknowledge that as an independent church, we have people here with vast experiences of baptism. Even as four elders, we all have different experiences of this. So we accept that. We acknowledge that. And our, but our practice at Thornhill Church is full immersion, believers' baptism, where physically possible. We, believe, we put that in because some people have different um, disabilities that we, we work with. Uh, for teenagers and adults who have faith in Jesus Christ, we would consider baptizing children younger than 13, but we would speak to them and their parents and their guardians. Wouldn't we love, think about this, right? We give out 3,000 leaflets uh, for Easter. Imagine just one person from every household got, got saved and got baptized. Wouldn't we want that? Yeah. 3,000? 3, but here's the challenge. Would God give us 3,000 or more if not all of us here are baptized? Would he add to that if not of all of us have followed his commandment into that? If not of all of us has trusted him in baptism? So, my not just an encouragement, but my urge for you, if you haven't been baptized, please, it is a commandment. It's not an optional extra. Like, think about it and follow Christ in it. Whether you've had the Spirit for a long time or, or not. I read this week that we live in a weird world because lots of people uh, are brought up. This was from America. So in America, lots of people either have a Roman Catholic upbringing or a uh, Anglican upbringing, he was saying. And he, but lots of them don't confess Jesus, aren't saved, don't say Jesus Christ is Lord. So he said, we have this weird uh, parallel in our world where millions of people are baptized as babies and yet not saved. And yet the church is full of people who are saved but not baptized. And so if we want to add to this, then as a family... Let's follow Jesus in this commandment of being baptized together. Also devoted to communion, verse 42. And it says this, 
as they broke bread again, this was changing. They were now breaking bread in the name of Jesus. These, these Jews who believed that Jesus was a false Messiah now breaking bread in the name of Jesus. Uh, devoted communion, verse 42, they did this in their, their homes back then. An elder will currently lead communion one Sunday a month or in, on, a, on occasions when the whole church is gathered. We do this together. We do it not in our groups. We all do it together. Our groups aren't individual churches. Our groups are parts of the church, so we do it all uh, together. We currently do it uh, once a month, but we do it other times, like Good Friday, for example, or they will ask someone to lead it. We intentionally do it together as we want it to be a communal time, not just a personal experience, especially coming out of the COVID time where we all did it two metres apart. Can you remember that? That was horrible, wasn't it? But we want it to be a, a communal time. We want to take communion in celebration, knowing that Jesus is alive and, and died for us, but also in, refl in reflection, in Christ's death, resurrection, and second coming, knowing that he's paid a cost, but also he's coming again. As we take the bread and wine in remembrance of Christ's love and forgiveness in making us right with God, which we love, we, we accept, we take in faith, we also share that love and forgiveness with an, one another, as the church and also those outside the church who have maybe hurt us or have harmed us or maybe we have hurt we explain communion uh, before we take it so that people don't take it in an unworthy manner as corinthians says or bring judgment upon themselves and we leave children taking communion to the parents and child uh, uh, to the parents and child the, the good friday service we had recently was just a really special time um, I know it's the most people we've ever had for a communion service because I know Sue was doing the, um, the wine and she said, oh, sometimes we used to do it in the upper room so we do small. And then she said, oh, do, we, do, we, do, we, do we do 40 cups? I was like, oh, nah, let's do at least 80. And do you want to get the look of someone and think, I think you're crazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. So we did that, but then we even needed more. So we need, had 120 on Good Friday. And so we want it to be a time where we take seriously for a time where we love one another, isn't it? Where we do this together. I've asked people in this room, I've apologised to people in this room and asked for their forgiveness in order to take communion together. I know that I'm going to say things wrong, that I'm going to do things wrong, that I'm going to harm you or hurt you. And so I want communion not to just show face. Like if there's issues, like I want us to work those things out. So to be able to take it together uh, to, to do it in a worthy manner, knowing that even though we're unworthy, Christ loves us. And devoted to Sundays, uh, obviously this was when they started meeting, on, they used to meet on Saturdays as, as Jews, but then the, the resurrection changed that and then they had to start meeting away from the Jews, unfortunately, who didn't consider Jesus uh, the Messiah. But devoted to Sundays on verse 42 talks about the large group gathering, how they continue to meet in the temple courts, so they continue to meet as a large group. And it says this, Sunday mornings is currently the only time and the only place where the whole body of Thornhill Church joins together. As elders, we will devote ourselves to being here on Sundays to serve others. And so we will do our best to be here every Sunday. Um, and, and if you want prayer, if you need to talk, then we want to serve you guys. We want to pray for you. We want to be able to serve you and see you here on Sundays. And on Sundays, not just as elders, but all of us, on Sundays, as a church, we will use ourselves and our gifts 
to serve one another as the body parts of his church. And that happens every Sunday, and I just want to thank everyone who serves people, whether it's coffee or music or setup or uh, on the welcome. Just want to thank you. We want to, we want to be, get as many people involved as possible we, in serving uh, one another. And on Sundays, we, we have Bible teaching, fellowship, corporate worship, prayer, communion, baptisms, uh, baby ted- dedications, etc. And gathering as a whole church is and should be the highest calling of, of our week. That's a challenge, isn't it? But going back to, going back to um, Corinthians 6, you are temples of the Holy Spirit, but also now, you were bought with a price. You were bought with your price. Your body is not your own. So can this, and Lord, may this Jesus do work in my heart, in our hearts, that this will be our highest calling, that this will be our greatest joy to join together and worship you. Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts to bring back that love, we pray. As we gather together to worship, surrender, and connect to Jesus, the head of the church, we encourage body members to let their Term groups know if they're away or ill on a Sunday for pastoral care and accountability. And I'm just going to go on to that, but we want to be a people that... Because on a Sunday when there's large, large, lots of us, we're going to miss one another. We're not going to see one another, uh, but we want to be looking after each other in the groups as well. And um, on Easter Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday was a great Sunday. We had a great time here Easter Sunday. And... Um, but there was probably, it was full. There was probably about 200 people here on Easter Sunday. But we only had about 20 new faces. And I know at least 30 people who were away, who were ill, who were on holidays. So what does that, that tell me? That tells me that if every Sunday is Easter Sunday, we'll be full. <laughs> we see every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. So if, I want, if you want me to change that and I'll say every Sunday is Easter Sunday, then I'll say that. But... If we, if we, if the church are all together, and I know I'm away, I was away last week holiday. I know people are away and ill, but if it's our highest priority, Lord Jesus, if this is our highest priority, then the church will be full every Sunday, and then we'll have the headache of what do we do next? How do we get more people here? What do we do next? But so, an encouragement for us all to, for this to be our highest calling. I know we're away, we people are ill and people uh, go away, as do I. But Lord Jesus, may this be our highest calling. So the church is together every Sunday. So it's Easter Sunday every Sunday. And people uh, are added to that. And then just the final three, devoted to term groups. Uh, from verse 46, it talks about meeting together in their homes. These were strangers. Now they're meeting together in their homes as Thornhill Church, we, we have mid-groups currently called term groups, whether home groups, small groups, we're, they're currently called term groups. But they're incredibly important as they're key elements of following Christ that are increased in these groups, such as hospitality. No one's over anyone's physical house right now in our groups. People come out to our house every Wednesday, which is a great Actually, one of my highlights of my week is when people come to our group on a Wednesday and they don't knock the door. Like, I love that. They don't knock the door, they just walk in. Although, one time someone came a bit earlier and I was in my dressing gown, so that's a bit of a... <laughs> but 
that's what we want. Yeah, we want people to just come into our houses, walk into our houses. So uh, increase in these groups is hospitality, pastoral care, prayer, Bible study, fellowship, mission, etc. At the moment, all our groups are in Thornhill, whether that's homes, pubs, cafes, or the church building. And this is intentional as we want to love Thornhill and Noah as an area in the week and not just on a Sunday. We welcome people living outside Thornhill to be part of this fellowship, but we ask them to join us in loving, praying, serving, and doing mission to this area. And just thank you for you guys on that, even on the, the leafleting for Easter. That was just great that people just took it and served and, 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 and leafleted the area. And we just want to thank you for all of us, whether you live in Thornhill or not, we want to thank you for helping us with that. And each term we have a variety of groups like we've got 12 groups now this week, all doing different things, all doing different Bible books or different things. We've got a variety of groups on de different days, times, etc. So there's a group everyone could join and then people can stay in the same group or change in the next term, which, which happens each term. So if, it's, if a different day or time is better. The elders appoint group leaders and work with them in what will happen in the groups each term and then we trust them to lead. The majority and most effective pastoral care happens in these group groups, so it's massively important that people join and care for one another in groups. Group leaders will contact elders if, there's, if they need pastoral care themselves or if there are people in the groups that need more support, or the personal leader can contact the elders for help. And I just want to thank you guys for devoting to these groups they've almost doubled now so we've got 12 groups we've got regularly over 100 people joining together in the groups uh, each week which that 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 delights my heart i just want to say thank you for the leaders of the groups i know we'd all say thank you for the leaders thank you for the people who open their homes each week and drink our coffee and eat our biscuits but we're family so this is what we want to do we want to thank you guys and but also if you've been a Christian a long time, this is nothing new, is it? This isn't reinvented the wheel. And sometimes this is hard. This is effort. Like this Wednesday is our group. I know Man City are playing Arsenal. And in my flesh, I'm like, all oh, right, there's a bit of a battle there. But this is my family. I prioritize you guys. And so if you kind of want to need to, if, you, if you've never joined a group, if this is new to you, then great. We want you to devote to a group. But also, if you've been in this place a long time, just pray for your heart, my heart as well. Lord, help me re-devote to a group. Help me love these people. Help me open my heart to them. Help me, uh, Lord, I know this is in your word, so help me uh, commit and devote and help them do that to me as well. Help, them, help us be your family together in this. And then just two more. Devi devoted to financial giving. Verse 45. The... They sold all their possessions. That's, that's a pretty high call on there. I'm kind of glad I'm in this church now the 2,000 years. Like they, they gave all their possessions. Like they sold their property and gave, gave it all, but that's what they did. And we encourage financial giving because, uh, like the others, we believe it's a biblical principle in the Old Testament. The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, but... It talks about giving. Um, so we believe it's a biblical principle, a way to love God and not love money, which it can be a battle for myself. 
and a way for your for our money to be used to extend god's kingdom like that we all we all put money into different in kingdoms whether this virgin media sky sports gym membership all our money goes to different kingdoms so this is a place where we get to invest in god's kingdom we massively appreciate and we just want to thank you we massively appreciate people's generosity we've got work going on right now i know roger would say thank you for the the building carpets painting plumbing lots of things but we want to thank you guys for giving that we're not thinking oh no we've got to remortgage the place we want to thank you guys for giving so we can cover these costs uh, we want to just really appreciate that most people give 10 percent of their income on a monthly basis with gifted uh, via standing order to the church but some people give more some keep give less some give cash some people's situations changes which affects their giving we also do mission offerings so we encourage people to seek god on what to give and so we give so we give gratefully and also contact us if you're struggling financially if you're in need if you need money if you need food there's people in our church who we we uh, supply food with if we need help then that's what we want to do isn't it we want to support one another we have a praise and prayer agm once a year which we all look forward to and uh, that's happening uh, before the summer uh, to give a financial update so people can see where the money goes get an update and pray for different ministries and ask questions and so if you if you're new to this church if you struggle financially if you're kind of holding on or if you may be uh, some people have said the last place we love god is with our wallet if you're like me and you're kind of a saver or, or tendency to be more stingy i would just want to encourage you to to be set free on that in that sense like genuinely not arrogantly god doesn't need your money we don't need your money this is just a way of you investing in god's kingdom of being a part of using your your money for the work like if we don't give no one pays for the baptism pools if we don't give the kids club doesn't happen if we don't give the cafe and all these things don't happen so we want to thank you for that and uh, and if you physically can't be a part of something but you are financially giving it then you are supporting us if you didn't give i wouldn't be here which maybe isn't a great idea right now but if you didn't give we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be in thornhill we wouldn't be in the schools be able to serve you guys we are here because people faithfully give and so we want to extend in god's kingdom don't we that's what we want to do and so if you want to more information speak to roger or those sheets at the back there and finally devoted to serving uh uh verse 44 how there was everything in common how they loved one another how they gave one another we want to be an everybody member ministry church amen some churches the pastor plays piano does this thing does the coffee everything and then everyone else just watches i thank god for you guys thank you for for your heart thank you for your understanding that that's not the church that we are or we see and we want to be a church where people find and use their gifts <coughs> as christ church but also in their mission their workplace their families and their lives it's a privilege to serve jesus but it's also a responsibility god is the one who gives gifts and all the gifts are given to serve his church and his mission 
Christ is the head of the church and his spirit-filled people are all different body parts of his body on earth. He has appointed leaders in his local churches to lead and protect his people and to help his people know where they could be serving or when they should not be serving. Serving should be an outcome of people's devotion to Jesus and the fellowship. We go through seasons in life and service to Jesus and we want to be a people that serve one another through these seasons. Amen. So that's our heart as leaders. That's a, a heart of you, many of us. And so if you have any questions or thoughts on now, if you just see this as a new term, Lord, help me redevote to your kingdom, to your body. Uh, and the, the band are going to come up now and they're going to sing a final song. But let me just finish with this. If you look back, you've got it on your sheets if you haven't, or your Bibles. Just look back at Acts, 40, Acts 2 for a second, 42 to 47. So Acts 2, 42 to 37. If you read those verses, a lot of them start off like this. You can see a thread. A lot of them start by saying, they devoted. Or it says, themselves. Or it says, everyone was filled. Or it says, all the believers. Or they sold. They continued to meet. They broke bread. In their homes they praise God so this is what all they did this is the response to the gospel that they did and that we as Christians today are called to do this is what they did but look at the second part of verse 47 it changes from they everyone all there and what did it say it doesn't and it says and the Lord so it changes from they themselves our and in verse 47 it says and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they devoted, they responded, they allowed the Holy Spirit to work in that. But it was the Lord. The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And we know we can't save people. Amen? We know we can't save people. We know we can't make people come. We know we can't force someone to believe in Jesus. We know we don't have control over them because salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Shall I, I, I tell you the challenge? Shall I tell you what we can control? Shall I tell you what we, God has given us, given us the responsibility for? What he is watching us in? We have the choice, the responsibility in how much we devote to one another. That's our part. The Lord will add, but he's seeing his church. Will they devote to one another? How much will they love one another? How much do we love God and others as themselves? Jesus said, by this they, and maybe he could say I as well, by this they will know you are my disciples if you love one another, if you give yourselves to one another. So as an action point, and Yona prayed a beautiful prayer, this isn't just theory, this isn't just knowledge. The guys are going to sing a song, and, may, and I don't know this song, so maybe you just want to listen to it or sing and sing. But this is, as Gareth spoke about a few weeks ago, this is mirror time. And pray for the Holy Spirit now. Just pray, Holy Spirit, come and touch my heart, reveal something. Because if this is God's word, if this is true, 
if this is what he wants us to do, then just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, like, do you want me to do, devote to anything new this term? Do you want me to devote to anything as a start this term? Holy Spirit, you know I've got an issue with money. Can I trust you with this? Holy Spirit, you know I've been walking with you for long, many years, but I haven't been baptized and I can just get away with it. Is that what you want, Holy Spirit? Is that in line with your word? Holy Spirit, you know I've been in 20 groups. I just want to break. But Holy Spirit, what do you want me to devote to? If this is your word, Holy Spirit, I need you to do a work in my heart because my flesh may say no. My flesh say I don't want to. My flesh may say, okay, let's just have a bit of time. But Lord, you've called me. You've given me a spirit. My body is no longer my own. You've bought me with a price. Not in a way to earn your salvation or a way to get brownie points or anything like that. But Lord, I want to be part of your family. I want to be a part of what you've called us to. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do a work in all our hearts. We need you to do work in our hearts. Lord, because this isn't natural. It isn't natural because we're good people. Holy Spirit, you've got to do a work in our hearts for us to love one another, for us to forgive one another, for us to be kind and, and sharpen and correct one another and be your kingdom and, and your mission in this place. So do a work in our hearts and show us and help us devote to one another as your church, this area, with Jesus, you being the head of it all. Amen.